Hello everyone, you are listening to Aussie Politics with Alex, and today is Sunday the 20th of September. And now, I thought I'd just quickly say, what a week. It has been a massive week in Australian and US politics, and I'll start with, I think, what everyone's expecting, is that um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of the main, the oldest uh, liberal-leaning judge on the American Supreme Court, has sadly passed away. Um, She was affectionately dubbed uh, the notorious... RBG after the hip-hop icon Notorious B.I.G. And she had died um, aged 87. And while I almost feel disrespectful commenting on the politics of her um, passing on a podcast, but that's all that they seem to be doing in the US. And there had been speculation up on this point when she would retire or pass away. And this has seemingly reset Donald Trump's election chances. Um... With a vacancy on the Supreme Court, as she was um, appointed by a Democratic president, this gives Donald Trump the opportunity to appoint a third um, right-leaning justice during his term. Um, Previously uh, appointing uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Um, Some people will point to the fact that back in 2016, when uh, Donald Trump was trying to appoint... um, um, I can't remember his name, but he was trying to appoint a left-leaning justice... Um, the Republican-controlled Senate, uh, with Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's still the Majority Leader, uh, blocked his nomination completely, um, on the grounds that it was in an election year and that the people should have a hand in deciding the Supreme Court justice. And Mitch McConnell has said, very vocally actually, that he'll be have, holding a vote for the nominee of the Supreme Court, whoever Donald Trump decides to uh, nominate, very, very soon. <laughs> And there were some other remarks back in 2016 from leading Republican senators like um, uh, Lindsey Graham, U.S. Senator from Kentucky, um, that they should use their words against them if a uh, Republican wins in 2016 and there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court and people have been losing their minds about that over Twitter. Um, and while the Republican Senate is, 50, is 53 votes Republican and 45 Democrat with, 40, with um, two independent, two caucus for the Democrats, it remains to be seen whether or not... Um, uh, he'll actually be the nominee will actually be confirmed because there are three ish uh, moderate Republicans that might not vote for a uh, a new nominee because they're up for re-election. Uh, some of them are up for re-election this year, and some of them are furiously, furiously anti-Trump. Um, one of these is Mitt Romney, who actually voted for Trump to be impeached on one of the articles of impeachment. Uh, Mary Collins, who's up for re-election and uh, actually copped a lot of flack for nom- uh, for voting to nominate Brett Kavanaugh after his sexual assault uh, allegations. And there's one other that I can't remember, but it's not going to be as easy as it looks for the Republicans to nominate someone. But Mitch McConnell won't bring a vote to the Senate floor unless he's sure he got the vote. He has the votes. And this is about the point when some people would ask me, um, why can't they filibuster? Isn't there the 60-vote filibuster rule? Now, interestingly, back... Um, a couple of years ago, the Republican majority and the Democrats, actually, a couple of years beforehand, had loosened Senate rules so that the filibuster no longer applies for budget votes and for certain judicial nominations, including the Supreme Court. And that's how um, Donald Trump was able to confirm two justices on such tiny margins. And I've just remembered the name of the justice that Obama tried to uh, nominate. It was uh, Merrick Garland. And he was actually much more of a centrist than people will care to admit, but that's beside the point. But it's really interesting that the Supreme Court has lately become much more of a political body than the Founding Fathers originally um, 
originally planned. Because they originally had life terms uh, purely so that it would be above the people and so that it could make informed uh, decisions that were almost apolitical as such. But the fact that they're directly nominated by the president um, really has a huge impact on how political the court and partisan the court is seemed to be seen. Um, in Australia, a couple of people ask me why we don't have that here as such. It's because we have the High Court. Now, in Australia, they are nominated by the Prime Minister, of course, but the High Court doesn't have as many uh, high-profile constitution law cases because we don't have as much of, like, you know, set-in-stone, far-reaching constitution as the US has. And they don't get as many big cases as the Supreme Court, and they can't really decide that they're going to rule on a case. Also, they have, as I said, they have forced term limits of when they turn judges turn 70, they um, have to resign, which is interesting to say the least. And it's really, it's really, really quite sad. And I mean, Trump, he found out about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg straight after one of his rallies, um, live on camera. And he had some, he kind of ad-libbed his way through it and said it along the lines of, um, uh, she was an amazing woman, she led an amazing life, which was quite a generic reply. And I almost, I almost think it's disrespectful for people to be commenting on, like, on a replacement. And in, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually said to her family right before the, uh, right before her passing, that uh, I think it was her most fervent wish was that she would be nominated, that she would not, that her replacement would not be nominated by this president. And I... <laughs> Of course, I'm left-leaning, and it's probably... But from my view, I think it's really disrespectful for Republicans to ignore Ruth Bader Ginsburg's, like, last... One of her last wishes. And for them to be absolutely so hypocritical. And there's receipts, there's video of them saying that they, w that they wouldn't confirm a Republican justice on 2016. Lindsey Graham, that's come back and bitten him. Yeah. But... I think that the Republicans really need to take a look in the mirror and think how this will impact, because politically, it might actually be smarter for them to wait until after the election, if they lose, that is, and they could actually, and this would look really bad for democracy, but they could actually nominate it between November 5th and January when the new Senate is sworn in. Because by, by quote-unquote dangling the nomination in front of um, evangelical Republicans who take these... Um, uh, Supreme Court nominations much more seriously than Democrats, especially on uh, social rights like abortion, etc. Um, it would this kind of opportunity for the Republicans really could energize their base and certain moderate Republicans who are a bit iffy with Donald Trump at the moment. And I think that's something that they really need to take a really hard look at. And now on to part two, where we're going to go back to Australian politics. Now, I thought I would quickly mention uh, the New South Wales Deputy Premier, John Barilaro, taking four weeks of mental health leave. Um, and this hasn't been as much publicised, mostly because it is mental health leave, but, I mean, people are aware of it, of course. But this comes hot on the heels after his koala, like his threats to move the Nationals to the crossbench, and um, previously deciding that... Um, making comments that he would run for the Eden Monero by-election. And, I mean, Andrew Constance would as well, and that never, of course, came to fruition. But I almost... I can't really comment, and I... But I think it's almost disrespectful for him to take mental health leave, because the way it looks... I'm not saying that he doesn't have any mental health um, issues, but the way it looks is that he's taking mental health leave as a political face-saving manoeuvre 
to avoid his resignation. I'm not sure if the Nationals' party room will let him uh, come back to the deputy premiership um, once he comes back from those four weeks of mental health leave. But it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the media when he tries to return. Um, Also in Australian politics, New South Wales was able to sign up to the uh, State of Disaster Relief uh, pandemic payments. So that that especially affects uh, casual workers who will now be able to sign up to uh, $1,500 of of, uh, pandemic leave. So if they don't have any sick leave, they're able to access that payment, which is really supposed to incentivize them to stay at home and actually self-isolate the way they're supposed to. Previously, Scott Morrison has said that he doesn't want this expanded beyond... um, uh, beyond Victoria, because they're the only ones in a state of disaster. But it, since New South Wales has had really low COVID cases, um, it probably looks better for them to do everything they can to avoid a second wave, which is, of course, what they should have done from the outset. But it's really nice that uh, Scott Morrison's made this decision uh, on Gladys Berejiklian's advice. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, that's all I've really got to say today. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening, guys, um, to Aussie Politics with Alex. Uh, if you could, could you please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? really helps other people to find the show. And check out my Instagram. Give me likes on as many posts as you feel like. Check it out. I always keep you updated on the podcast and when we have new episodes up. And lastly, could you, if you have anything you want to say that you want to feature on the podcast, any questions, I'm thinking of starting a new question time segment at the end of the podcast where I answer your political questions. If you feel like it, just send in a voice message and I'll do my very best to answer them. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe.